Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Los Angeles, California, I'm the professor, Matt Perkins. In showing off his hashtag dad brand on his bye week this weekend, it's the coach, Corey Burton. Oh, yeah, hashtag dad to the bone, baby. Um, I'm excited. Got an off week here. Going to go pick up Huck from daycare for the first time. And uh, picked him up from the mother-in-law's house yesterday. Picking him up from daycare today. I just can't wait to see that big smile when uh, when he sees me walking in the door. Excellent, excellent. And finally, it's the third amigo in the second city, a man who is currently rediscovering his inner Jimmy McNulty. It's our blogger <laughs> from Big Ten and Counting, Josh Cook. Yeah, it's never a bad time to rewatch The Wire. I just want to give a quick heads up to people listening out there. If you hear some fighter jets flying over my head, it's really exciting. Uh, this weekend is the air and water show here in Chicago. I live by the lake, and they fly like the Blue Angels and stuff. But they do some practices uh, on Thursdays and Fridays before the festivities. So I've gotten to hear and to hear some loud planes. It's pretty cool. Nice. So we finished our predictions for the Power Five conferences, but we're not going to stop just there. A little later on, we'll be looking at two of our favorite conferences, the Mountain West and number one in my heart, the American Athletic Conference. But we're going to take a quick look to the independence first, starting with the United States Military Academy. Josh, where where do you want to start uh, with the goings on at West Point? Well, I kind of like this Army team. They were uh, close but no cigar last year. Seven of their ten losses were by a touchdown or less. And I think they have one of the more underrated coaches with Jeff Munkin. He's a disciple of Paul Johnson, had a good run at Georgia Southern. Uh, I think he has this Army team moving in a right direction. They've been a lot more competitive in just two seasons there. They actually have the 47th best defense in the nation a year ago. And the 3-4 they run, I think, helps – even out their lack of size. And with that formation, you need to have some good linebackers. And they do with Andrew King and Jeremy Timph. They also have three offensive line men back and most of their backfield from a team that, using that option, got 244 yards per game. And Edgar Poe, really good wide receiver. But they obviously have three issues, the lack of size, lack of depth, and the lack of the passing game. Hopefully Poe fixes that last one. And they got some winnable dates, Rice, UTEP, Buffalo, North Texas. They also have two FCS clubs. I think if they can split the Wake and Navy games, Army might break through and make a bowl game. If Poe becomes a household name this year, he has to be referred to as the Raven. But, um, Agreed. Yeah, so. That's right. Uh, yeah. He will fly like a Raven. Um, so I really like Jeff Monken. Um, I, I think he was, I think he came into a, a tough situation, and I think he's, working his way through it. I think he will get things on an even keel with Navy. And uh, they, in watching that game, and he's a Paul Johnson disciple, and you look at what Paul Johnson does at Georgia Tech, you look at what Monken does at, at, at Army, and it's a lot more multiple when, when you think about it. They have a lot, they, they play around with their formations a lot more. They're a little bit more 
modern version of what Paul Johnson does. And what my biggest criticism on Paul Johnson is that he's stubborn. Um, Jeff Monken is not that. And uh, he's done a tremendous job with the offense and, and getting it competitive. And it seemed like down the stretch in the season, he got he got him playing really well. Coming off a 20-3 loss to Air Force, uh, three-point loss, 10-point loss, and four-point loss um, to uh, to Tulane, Rutgers, and, and Navy. Um, so, you know, he's getting them playing better now. Uh, you look at the 2-10 and 10 record and say, man, that's that's terrible. But you have to kind of just have to look at the depth that he had, the, the type of kids that he had. And uh, you have to think that Chris Carter is going to be able to step in now and, and lead this thing as a sophomore. He's a year into the system now. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be a dangerous a dangerous quarterback. Um, and you're going to probably hear uh, a lot of those at their games. Um, and then uh, Edgar Poe, he, he's going to turn into the Raven. He had a really good game against Navy. Uh, became a playmaker for uh, for West Point. So um, I like this team a lot. They're gonna. I think they're gonna sneak into a bowl game. Uh, they got a really tough one against uh, Notre Dame, but uh, I, I really think they might. Uh, an early, early prediction. They might slip up and get Navy this year. That would be you know, that'd be the first time in a long time that you know they would be even in contention for the Commander in Chief's Trophy. But they're due. Yeah, I, I mean, they're due, but I, I still don't think they're quite at the level of either of those other two squads right now. We're going to move uh, just a little bit east of, uh, of West Point and head over to Amherst, Massachusetts, where UMass is in its ninth year under head coach Mark Whipple. And he's transitioned the program back uh, from the FCS to the FBS. He's 11 games over 500 in his career, but last year was a pretty pitiful uh, last map campaign, finishing at 3-9. and nine. So, Josh, uh, is there more cause for concern this year? Uh, over there at for the Minutemen? I think there's a lot of cause for concern. Uh, you look at their coach, and a lot of his wins are from his first stint. He's uh, he's doing the Grover Cleveland. He's got two non-consecutive terms at Massachusetts. Um, I guess if we're going to look at the silver lining, which we love to do here on the show, a lot like Army, they were competitive despite an ugly record. Four of their nine losses were by a touchdown or less. And they've got Marquise Young. He's a pretty solid running back, but They're a pass-happy attack, and their quarterback and leading receiver are both gone. They only have three starters back on defense, and four of the top five tacklers are all gone. Yet the unit was only 130 a year ago, so they're losing the best pieces of a terrible defense. Lastly, the newly independent schedule does them no favors. They don't have any of those easy MAC games. They really only have two games that kind of look winnable. Um, That's Old Dominion and FCS Wagner, maybe throw in the the long road trip to Hawaii if you want to be generous, but uh, it's going to be a tough sled. Yeah, I mean, what a better way to welcome in new quarterback Andrew Andrew Ford. Um, he's a four-star recruit ahead of high school somehow um, and somehow ended up at UMass. Answer that one for me. But, um, you know, they're going to be young. Again, they're going to be replacing a lot of starters. Uh, they're getting – he said they're getting four back on defense. They're returning their special teams. Maybe that'll be something for them. But, um, I mean, you know, you look at the schedule and, you know, they have a chance against FIU because you never know what, what's going to happen there. Um, Matt, you, you, I, I know who you're rooting for on September 10th. If you look at their schedule, they're playing – they're hosting Boston College. Um, they're at South Carolina. They're going to get they're gonna get uh, walled in that game. But, you know, you look at this team and, you know, they compete and compete and compete. Maybe they give themselves a chance – in some of these games late, but 
you know, I just don't see much hope for this team. And I, I think, I think maybe they improve by one or two wins, but I still don't think they make they make a bowl. I think best case scenario is five and seven. Worst case scenario is they're right back where they were last year at three and nine. So, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough to really gauge this team because Andrew yeah. Ford can come in and and light the world on fire. Gauge this program, uh, this program in general, because you know they're not exactly making a ton of money there for the school. So you have to wonder how committed they're going to be to football in the long run. Um, But we're going to move on to our next independent now, and that is the BYU Cougars. Uh, Bronco Mendenhall is out, and Kalani Satake is in in Provo. Uh, But Bronco definitely did not leave the cupboard bare. But, Josh, it's definitely the same question as last year. Taysom Hill or Tanner Magno? Uh, So who's going to line up at center when they open the year against Rich Rod and the Wildcats in Arizona? Ooh, that's... That's tough. Um, if I was coaching, I would actually go with Tanner Magnum because I think he's the better arm. Taysom Hill, really good with his feet, but that's sort of led to his injuries. But either way, they're set. I mean, that's – I know there's the old adage of if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have a quarterback. But in BYU's case, they really legitimately have two. It's like one of those Steve Spurrier teams of the 90s. They have two guys – who any other team would pretty much love to have. Um, but what I'm looking for also for the quarterback is they have an awesome back line defensively. They have a stout linebacking core and safety Kai Nakura. So this is a team that's going to rely a lot on that defense because outside of the quarterback, I'm not in love with the rest of their offensive pieces. Um, I'm really curious though. I was looking at Bronco Mendenhall and this is a coach that we all love, but if you look at his time in the Mountain West, BYU is 56-21 and 21 with four double-digit win seasons and four bowl wins. As an independent, he went 43-22 and 22 with just one double-digit win season, and they lost three straight bowl games. So becoming an independent has really hurt this team as they've struggled to find some opponents. They've had to play some harder games. Uh, lastly, they're switching from the 3-4 to the 4-3 but their best ends from last year graduated. So uh, they got some flux on defense that we'll see if it all works out. But wow, that was a loud one. That's the loudest one today. But um, I just gave some doom and gloom, but I'm not expecting BYU to fall apart. This is a football school. They found a way to survive after Lavelle Edwards retired. They have a tough schedule and a transition year, but um, – I don't think they're going to be like two and 10. I think they'll find a way to scratch out some wins. I think we'll see them in a bowl game. It just might not be an eight, nine, 10 win season that we're kind of accustomed to. Yeah. I mean, you never know. I mean, I feel good about their quarterback situation. Anytime you have a good quarterback situation, then your team typically falls suit. Um, And it's not like they have some no name coach that's coaching them. They have a, former Heisman Trophy winner and BYU alum Ty Detmer coaching the quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, he, he's going to mentor these guys. And he's never done it on the collegiate level. But, you know, he has a lot of knowledge and he has a lot of knowledge of Provo and could be able to recruit that area. And and if BYU is down, they won't be down for long. Uh, and uh, I like their quarterback situation. And if, I, and if I'm trying to decide, I'm going with uh, – I'm going with Magnum because he's a younger guy. Um and he had a successful freshman campaign, and you can kind of develop him as he goes, and he's going to be your future. 
Um, I don't see any big-time quarterbacks. And, Matt, you and I were talking about this off-air about Wisconsin, about what they should do with their quarterback situation. And their situation is different because they got Jack Cohn coming in. And so why not just have this year, play with the senior, and pave the way for Cohn and develop him? With BYU, it's different because Taysom Hill uh, can't seem to stay healthy. Maybe he just needs to play that senior backup role. And if something happens with Magnum, then you can put Hill in and you won't really lose much at all. So I like the quarterback situation a lot. Uh, defense, you know, anytime you make a transition, it could be rocky at, at the start of the season. They got a tough they got a tough schedule. Their first four is at Arizona, at Utah, UCLA, and uh, versus West Virginia at a, in uh, the Redskins Stadium. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see this team and how they shake out. They've got a really tough schedule. Um, they've got some decent talent. I see them going seven and five, making a mid mid tier ball game. Uh, there's just so many, so many tough games here. Yeah, they've definitely got uh, a tough road in front of them, but not as tough as Notre Dame, uh, the last of the four independents. Uh, they always have, you know, one of the toughest schedules in the country. This year is no different, and this year. You know, Brian Kelly's gang is only returning eight starters, but expectations still uh, very, very high in South Bend. Is all, eight, is all eight of those starters at quarterback? Well, that's the question. Zaire, Kaiser, Kaiser, or Zaire? Uh, personally, I'm taking Kaiser. I thought he looked fantastic last year after Zaire got hurt, and I thought he showed much more upside. But, uh, Josh, who are you going with? Uh, actually, the same reason you just gave. I really thought that Deshaun Kaiser – showed a little bit more of that upside. Zaire might have a more proven game at this point after all he did win the job, but I do think Kaiser's ceiling is so high that it'd be silly not to play him. But um, certainly back to Brian Kelly, this is a guy that I think all of us like his coaching style, but we just weren't sure, you know, if they would ever follow up what they did with Matt Taiteo and, and having that impressive run of the title game. But I actually think last year was his best coaching job as they survived so many injuries all year long. And they got a good quarterback situation, but they also have Josh Adams and Terry and Folston back at running back. Uh, The line also has three starters. So even though the wide receiver group is unproven, the heart of that offense should be good. The defense should also be good, but we'll see if they're playoff good. Um, they have Niles Morgan and Max Redfield in the secondary. Um, so we'll, they've got some pieces there. We'll see. Um, if I'm an Notre Dame fan, though, I really love the schedule. They only have three true road games in Texas, NC State, and USC. Their only other games outside of South Bend are Syracuse, are Syracuse and New York City, Navy and Jacksonville, and Army and San Antonio. So if they can – take care of their home games, which includes Michigan State and Stanford, you have to love the chances of Notre Dame slipping into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, it, you look at this team and, man, there's some talented guys on this team. And we, we talk about, you know, we talk about what they have coming back at receiver and and you talk about what they've lost. But, I mean, you look at what they have coming in. T.J. Sanders, he was their number one return man. Torrey Hunter was, was a four-star kid coming in. Uh, He's going to get look to get more playing time. St. Brown, uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, Equinemius. Equinemius, I believe. Equinemius. 
And uh, if you ask me to say that name 10 times, I'll probably give you 10 different pronunciations. Um, you know, I, I think whoever's lining up the quarterback, who uh, I think it should be Kaiser, I thought the team rallied around him uh, more than they did Zaire. Um, you know, he's got some targets to throw to with, with St. Brown, with C.J. Sanders, Torrey Hunter. You have, you have Durham Smythe at, at uh, tight end. You have Alizé Jones coming in at tight end. You know, you have some weapons on offense and, and, and Josh, you alluded to the running back. So I won't dive, I won't go too far into that, into that situation. So, um, a lot of unproven guys coming, coming into the mold, but they're very talented. You know, you, you, you have a very talented line of second string guys that got a lot of experience last year because of, because of the injury situations that happened. So, you know, I'm excited about this Notre Dame team. I, I think it's the first team since their championship run that they can look forward to. And I think if you line this team up against that Notre Dame team from 2012, I think this team would, would be victorious over that 2012 team. All right. Um, well, uh, so those are our, uh, our independence uh, little preview. And now we're going to move on to, uh, you know, the Darling Conference from last year, in my eyes, the American Athletic. So uh, let's, uh, let's go through the West first a little bit. Um, so, you know, Josh, how do you think, see things shaking out there in the West? The West? All right. Well, I'm just going to fly through my standings. I've got SMU dead last. They have a nice starting quarterback and two of their running backs back. So the, the offense should be improved. The defense was a nightmare last year. I like some of the stuff they're doing with Matt Davis and Xavier Jones, Braden West. They, they got some offensive pieces, but that defense, oh, I see a bowl still a year or so off. Tulsa, I have second to last. They went 6-6 six and six a year ago. It was Philip Montgomery's first season as head coach. He's the Baylor offensive coordinator. If that's his debut season, things are certainly looking up. This should be one of the more electric offenses in the league again. But look at that defense. They gave up almost 40 points per game. They gave up uh, in the line, gave up 41 sacks. So um, another bull feels like the ceiling, but not quite a real contender. I got Tulane coming kind of in the middle. This might surprise some people, but I love Willie Fritz. He's won everywhere he's been. He has just one sub-500 season the last 17 years as a, in a, of his career. His spread option attack from that pistol inherits a good group of running backs led by Dontrell Hilliard. It also includes Sherman Beatty, Josh Rounds, and Lazarek Thompson. That's a good group. Uh, the defense, again, struggle a little bit. They actually have some individual stars, so for me it's – it's as if they can come together as a unit instead of playing hero ball. Uh, I see some three very winnable home games. They've got some manageable road trips with Central Florida, Tulsa, UConn, and UMass in the non-con. They might be looking at a bowl game. I got Memphis finishing third. This is a club that, Matt, you're previewing, so I'll leave it to you. But I do like their skill position, and Drew Kaiser is a hell of an offensive lineman. I also want to give a shout-out to uh, Daniel Montill. He looks like one of the best tight ends in the league. I'm previewing Navy. I have them finishing second. And Coach will be giving us Houston, but what's not to love about this team? They've got a Heisman Trophy candidate in Greg Ward Jr., and they have a defense that was a little underrated last year because the offense was so good, but that D's returning some key pieces. Forget being a contender for the AAC title. I think they can make the playoffs. And that is my American West. Coach? All right. 
my American West is shaping up like this. I, I like Houston, and I'm going to uh, jump right into their preview as, as, uh, as soon as Matt calls on me. I'm going to go with uh, – then I'm going to say Navy's going to be my next team. Um, I like Memphis, Tulsa, Tulane, and SMU. Uh, I think that uh, Willie Fritz is going to uh, – I think he's going to have some, some success and more success than Tulane's had in a, quite some time. I think with the level of competition that's in this West Division, I think Tulane is just one step behind. So uh, it'll be sort of a rocky but competitive year for them, and I think they take the hump in this in this conference next year. So that's right. that's my West. Uh, what I like about Navy is that uh, it just seems like Niamatololo, uh tends to reload, and he tends to keep finding his Keenan Reynolds type players to lead that offense so um anytime you're dealing with navy and i'll let you i'll let you guys uh i'll let you uh roll with navy josh uh but they uh they're an exciting team and in memphis i really like the hire they made at, at head coach matt um and and i'm sure you're gonna yeah sure you're gonna no, be I mean, yeah, to talk I'll, about them i'll just i'll hop into it uh quick from there because I, I also have tulane like coach finishing last love willie fritz I just don't think they have the talent to compete with the rest of the teams in the division. Uh, SMU uh, quarterback play is just going to be probably the only strong suit. They've got a lot of holes. Uh, Tulsa, great offense. Like Josh said, no defense. Uh, Memphis I'll get into here in a second. Uh, Navy, you know, they do the same thing year in and year out. Um, and, you know, they lose Keenan Reynolds, but, you know, you don't expect them to take that big of a step back. Uh, Houston is obviously the cream of the crop, not only in the division, but the conference, and uh, have, you know, very, very high expectations, but one slip up and they will fall short of their ultimate goal. But, Josh, you're really interested in this Navy team. I am, and it's... Let's start with the negatives. You mentioned Keenan Reynolds is gone, but so are 35 seniors in total. All five starting offensive linemen departed. All five of their best backs are gone. The defensive line and secondary are being rebuilt. So what's so intriguing about them, and Coach mentioned it, Ken Yamatololo, he's won eight games at least every year, but one in his tenure in Annapolis. This is going to be a fascinating season. It's the... We're essentially starting from scratch after the school's first 11-win season in school history. But it's going to be that test of this system. Is it the system, or was Keenan Reynolds just a once-in-a-lifetime kid? I'm, I'm optimistic, though, because I really, really trust this staff. I, I love Niamatololo. Um, they have three winnable games to start the year and three winnable games to end the year. If they can get through a very tough October and November, to, and Notre Dame opens November, I think they'll go bowling again. I'm not sure they'll be able to contend for a title like they did last year, but this is going to be fun to see because this is a really um, organic experiment of talent in a system or system utilizing talent. Yeah. So um, obviously, though, they are, you know, they are a sort of a, a clear step below uh, this Houston team, aren't they, Coach? Absolutely. I mean, you look at and that's not a that's not a knock on Navy. I think uh, Tom Herman came in, and this I think Rutgers fans can look at what Houston is doing 
as a gauge of what they can expect for Chris Ash. Maybe not right away, but maybe their program will look something like Houston. I think he came into a better situation than Ash did at Rutgers. But uh, yes, I mean you, you bring back a you bring back a guy like Greg Ward Jr. who who won the job over John O'Corn and forced John O'Corn to transfer um, up to uh, Michigan. So um, you know they were. Uh, they had a number one offense for a reason. I mean, they were uh, they were number one in the conference, I should say. Scoring, uh, I'll give you their national ranks. They were 10th in scoring at 40.4 per game. They were 13th in rushing with 235.8 per game. 44th in passing, which they didn't need to pass as much with 248.4 uh, yards per game. Uh, they were more of a option, zone option, uh, quick hitting team. Defense. Of course, uh, they were uh, 20th in scoring, 8th in rushing defense, 115th in passing defense. That was kind of a concern. Uh, overall, they were 53rd. Uh, overall, their offense was a top 20 offense nationally. Uh, and they returned six starters on offense, and they returned five on defense plus their kicker. So uh, you have to be excited about what they have coming back. Uh, they have a very tough game out of the gates against Oklahoma at Energy Stadium in Houston. Uh, then then they, they match up against Lamar. They're at Cincinnati, at Texas State. So you got three in a row right there to, to, to kind of get back on track. They host UConn. They're at Navy. October 8th is, is probably going to be for the, uh, the division championship. Then they host Tulsa at SMU, home against UCF, home against Tulane, home against Louisville. That'll be a tough one towards the end of the year, and then they finished the season on the road at Memphis. So uh, you watch them in the bowl game against Florida State. You look at a team as talented as Florida State and who, who I believe we've picked as the ACC championship or uh, a major contender even for the playoffs. So uh, you look at what they did to that group, and you have to be excited if you're a Houston Cougar fan about the possibility of, of, of getting into that playoff. So, um, uh, so some names to look out for. Running back Duke Catalan, he was a former Texas Longhorn. Uh, he, was, uh, he was on the scout team a year ago. Uh, he was sitting out for NCAA transfer rules. He gets into the fold this year. Um, he was scout team player of the year uh, for Houston. Um, and he was, he was the number 10 running back in the 2014 uh, class. So um, got some talent coming in there. Of course, they return uh, wide receiver Chance Allen and Steven Dunbar and tight end Tyler McCloskey on the offense as far as the weapons for Greg Ward Jr. So they're not, they're not losing much skill position-wise. So, you know, it, it's, it's going to be a fun ride in Houston this year. Um, we'll, see, we'll see how good they can be when they open up the season in Houston against uh, – or Houston, but at Energy Stadium right down the road. Uh, against Oklahoma, we'll see what they've got and see how how they've progressed and, and how if they're ready to take that next step, which is into the playoffs. Yeah, that's going to be uh, one of, one of the best games of the year, right at the beginning. Um, the, the, the team that sort of really intrigues me is uh, the Memphis Tigers in the West, and that's because they've had pretty much a complete staff overhaul. Yet the expectation is still pretty high. Uh, obviously, Justin Fuente left to become uh, Frank Beamer's successor at Virginia Tech, um, but last year they were fantastic. Uh, you know, Paxton Lynch uh, ended up being the first round quarterback. Uh, through for a bunch of yards. And what uh, the strategy that Norville is taking, and along with, you know, he also stole some of 
Bluetooth best minds on on their staff. And so we brought along both uh, Norville's new offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator at Memphis are Chip Long and Chris Ball, both former uh, Sun Devils with him. So, uh, but they're going to a JUCO quarterback um, uh, this year, uh, who was uh, Riley Ferguson used to uh, play at Tennessee, and he is you know he's not quite as big as Pax Lynch. Pax Lynch was a giant, you know, six seven, two fifty. This guy's a little smaller, six four, but he's you know really really solid all around player. And, uh, you know, he was one of the higher ranked recruits in the country when he came out of high school, uh, didn't really gel at Tennessee, and is back now in the same state mm-hmm. squad. So this is going to be, you know, they've definitely got some uh, some weapons in the backfield to work with. And I, I think that they'll be, you know, using a lot of sort of uh, pro sets. Uh, they've got a solid offensive line. So I think they'll, you know, you will not see the same sort of up-tempo stuff that you saw uh, last season with uh, Justin Fuente because they, you know, would like to, you know, move it down the field uh, pretty quick there. I think they'll be a little bit more balanced here, running the ball a little bit more. Uh, the defense uh, has a couple really good returners uh, led by Jackson Dillon at linebacker. Um, but uh, I think that, you know, the, the the team will go as the as the, they adapt to adapt I should say to the new offense being installed there um, in Memphis. So, um, well, now let's shift it over to the East. And uh, Josh, I know that you think that South Florida is the class of the division. I actually don't. They're just a very very intriguing team. Um, my rundown starting in dead last is. Central Florida, I know, Matt, you're talking about them, but it, it was just so surprising to see George O'Leary's last team go winless. I mean, he won a Fiesta Bowl, had a lot of success success there, but Scott Frost knows offense. There's a lot of recruits in that backyard, so I think the program will get back on track pretty quickly. Might not be this year. Uh, second to last, I have Connecticut. I love what Bob Diaco is doing, including making a bowl game a year ago and having the league's best defense but their lack of offensive talent really makes their margin of error razor thin. Um, I think they can probably make another bowl game, but they still look like they're a year or two away from really joining the Temple South Florida Cincy group atop this division. Just outside the real contenders, I have East Carolina. Um, the Purple Pirates are a little bit like Connecticut. They, they have some interesting pieces, but we're not sure – It'll all be there come football Saturdays. Um, they have an interesting story with their senior quarterback, Philip Nelson. He helped lead Minnesota to eight wins in 2013 before transferring to Rutgers and now ECU. Along the way, he had some legal issues. If he can stay clean and look like the quarterback that improved in all statistical categories between 2012 and 2013, as well as being a useful runner, I think Scotty Montgomery's debut season might actually be a solid one. I have the South Florida team being a contender, but I picked them to finish third. I'll preview them more deeply in a second. Runner-up, I got Cincinnati. They have the horses to compete. They get most of their tough games at home. We love Tupperville, and he had an interesting addition with Zach Taylor from the NFL to work with Gunnar Keel, a really, really good quarterback, although the way last year ended with him not making the bowl game, uh, a little, little goofy. That's why I had some reservations about the Bearcats. I have Temple winning the division. Coach is previewing them, so I'll be very, very short with this and just say I love their defense. They have a defensive-minded head coach and rule. 
They have a really underrated coordinator in Phil Snow. And some of those players that were overshadowed by superstar Taylor Matakavich will get to shine. One of them might be Sean Chandler. That's how I have the American East. Coach? All right. Well, um, mine's going to look not as similar, but I like USF to win the, win the East this year. I like what Willie Taggart's done. I think they have a lot of firepower on offense, and, they've, and uh, they bring over Sean King as the coordinator now. He's now the offensive coordinator, so that's uh, got things looking up. And then you have, of course, uh, conference offensive player of the year contender, um, Marlon Mack. I think he's the only one that could truly push Greg Ward for that title. Uh, so I got them at the top of the division. Uh, I'm going to go with Temple as number two, the team that I'm going to jump into a preview with here in just a little bit. Uh, then I got Cincinnati. They're, they're, uh, they're that third, they're that third contender. I'm not real sure exactly what they're going to do this year. Um, but they do have, uh, an NFL guy, like you said, working with Gunnar Keel. So that can only be, uh, positive. Then, uh, right outside that contenders list, I have to give some love to the league's number one defense. The Connecticut Huskies, even though they have a lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball, anytime you have the best defense, that, that does count for something. Uh, then right below them is East Carolina. Um, they just kind of are right there just below that contender mix. Maybe they'll shock a few people this year. Um, and then I got uh, Central Florida rounding out the the, uh, the division. And uh, I just think that they, that, you know, I agree with Josh. They're a year away. I, You know, they're going to be okay. Florida's an extremely fertile state to to recruit in, and I think that they can uh, I think they can bounce back pretty nicely. They might surprise a few folks this year. I just don't see it happening, but I, I believe that Scott Frost could be a good head coach. And once he gets his feet wet and gets you know settled into that role, I think he'll be just fine. Yeah, I'll talk about them a little bit more extensively here in a second. Um, even though I think they are going to come last in the division, uh, I still think things are definitely uh, on the right track there. UConn uh, has no offense, but I really like their defense. Uh, in fact, I think that Jamar Summers, their cornerback, is going to be the best defensive player in the conference. Uh, East Carolina uh, probably take a bit of a step back this year from, uh, well, I shouldn't say step back, but they'll be probably about on par with last year's team, just missing out on a bowl. Uh, Cincinnati, Josh Winston, Gunnar Keel, it's, uh, it's going to sort of be all on his shoulders uh, again. If he can stay healthy, I think that they can go, uh, they can go big. They can definitely be division champions, but I still think they're a, a little bit below Temple, who obviously will have a very strong defense again. But uh, I like USF uh, here, and I think Coach is going to talk about them a little bit more. Uh, but, Josh, you, you unlike uh, me and Corey, think that Temple is going to be the, uh, the champs here. Well, I'll, I'll take over and do Temple. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and I think Josh has something to that, and I think that they um, – Tenders. I, I just have a gut feeling that USF is going to just overtake them this year. I think it's going to be uh, it's a, it's a it's a um, October twenty first matchup. We'll kind of determine more. Um, what I really love about this Temple team is that they have a four year starter coming back, uh, PJ Walker. He's a dual threat player um, at the quarterback position. He has Jihad Thomas um, at running back. They returned nine starters on offense from a year ago, and and seven starters on a defense from a year ago that ranked 20th nationally. Um, and uh, their lowest rank was 43rd in passing, but they were a great rush defense. And overall, they kept teams scoring low. They were 17th nationally in scoring. Um, I think that, you know, their offense, 
is going to improve. They got so many guys coming back. Um, it is plausible that they could be the champs, but again, they were 96 overall in total offense. So that's only going to go up, but will it go up enough to overtake USF? I don't really necessarily think so, but I think they will have a very successful season nonetheless. Yeah, and I guess I'll preview that Bulls team. It's funny, you know, Coach and I tripped you up, Professor, by flipping who we were previewing. I, I picked a third-place finisher to preview, and he had my champion and vice versa. But uh, what people love about this Bulls team and what I find so intriguing about them is the way they finished last year. They were really strong at the tape. They went 7-1 and one in their final eight games their offense, which had struggled for the first few years of Willie Taggart's tenure, just exploded. They dropped 45 on Syracuse, 44 on Temple and Central Florida, and a whopping 65 on Cincinnati. 65 points in the conference. Are you kidding me? And that offense will be strong again. They've got quarterback Quentin Flowers, running back Marlon Mack, and wide receiver Rodney Adams all back, as well as some really intriguing additions in that wide receiver group with NC State transfer Marquez Valdez-Scantlin and Kentucky transfer A.J. LeGray. So that is probably the best receiving core in the division. Very, very intriguing. Majority of the starters are back on a defense that gave up just 23 points per game a year ago. All the pieces are there, so why in the world would I pick them third? Well, they are rebuilding their offensive line, which is always a cause for concern for me. And based on last year's success – a lot of new coordinators are coming in. So that staff shakeup has me a little, just a little worried, but no doubt they're a contender right there. Uh, the other problem for them that could crop up is they travel to both Temple and Cincinnati, which hurts their odds of really taking over um, the division. And then in the non-conference, they take on Florida State. So that hurts their chances to even get to 10 wins. But Make no mistake about it. They're a contender, and if that offensive line gets solidified early, the folks in Tampa are in for a very special season. Yeah, um, I think that it, it's going to be, you know, it, it definitely should be a fun year for uh, for that squad. But, you know, one of the places just moving across the state to, uh, to UCF, it's, you know, you guys mentioned the hiring of Scott Frost, former offensive coordinator at Oregon. And, you know, expectations are not high this year, but there is a, a lot of reason to be hopeful. This guy is a great offensive mind and he's already, uh, pulling some big things in on the recruiting trail as well. Um, he was able to snag a couple four-stars, which you almost never see for UCF, including uh, uh, Dredrick Snelson, a wide, a wide receiver out of Pembroke Pines, Florida. Uh, this kid is uh, can really burn. He's a you know really high-end prospect, and he's going to see the field right, a, right away, as will probably offensive lineman Aaron Dowdle from Atlanta. Um, another four-star kid, highly rated, uh, should come in and compete for time immediately. And they, on the field, um, especially Snelson, uh, he'll join up with Traquan Smith, who uh, really impressed last year as a true freshman. And they've also got a couple good uh, running backs. Uh, sophomore Taj McGowan will probably get the lion's share of the carries. But again, 
two incoming freshmen who have a lot of promise. Jawan Hamilton and Adrian Killens both have a lot of speed. Not the biggest guys, but they're definitely going to be able to keep it up tempo like you would expect them to do, uh, seeing as that, you know, uh, Frost is a disciple of Chip Kelly. You expect a lot of, uh, you know, sort of no huddle, quick move, uh, quick moving and, you know, exposing speed on the outside. Um, you know, they got a couple good tight ends as well. So I think the offense has, uh, you know, a lot of potential here, but it'll probably take a year or two uh, for them to get seasoned. The defense, different story. Um, they are completely switching schemes to the 3-4, which, we, uh, Coach, we know you're a big fan of. Um, they obviously don't have the size uh, probably necessary at the defensive tackle, the nose guard position in the 3-4 to really uh, be that effective again against the run yet. That'll take time time to develop, but um, they've got, um, you know, they've ever got some talent there on the defensive side of the ball. They just have to figure out how to use it. So um, I think that, you know, they'll probably finish three and nine, four and eight, but uh, they might have an upset or two in there over someone if, if they get overlooked because Scott Frost and his offensive coordinator, Troy Walters are really going to um, hopefully going to try to out scheme and we'll, you know, probably be able to, especially with the speed that they've brought in, try to out scheme some of the bigger boys in their division. So um, any final thoughts on the American guys? Uh, I, I like Houston to win the, to win the conference. I think they sneak into the playoff. Uh, Greg, Ward, Greg Ward Jr., sorry, as a tongue twister, is, is going to be your offensive player of the year. Um, I think your uh, rookie, your top newcomer of the year is going to be uh, going to be Matt Catalan uh, from the, the running back. He's going to be, even though he's not a freshman, he's a he's a newcomer uh, transfer from Texas. I think he's going to be the uh, the uh, newcomer of the year, uh, coach of the year. Um, I think it's going to be Willie Taggart because he's going to win the division and he's going to finish runner-up in the uh, in the conference. So I think your coach of the year is going to be Willie Taggart. And first coach fired if uh, Cincinnati does not win the division. I think Tuberville could be on the hot seat there. Um, if not, uh, I don't know if anybody's going to get fired from this conference. Uh, there might be some movement, but this, I don't think it's going to be uh, – I think it's going to be voluntary. Uh, movement if there's movement movement in this conference. So I think Tuberville is the one that I would put my money on the most to be the first to be fired. Josh? Yeah, so I have a very similar outlook. I got Houston edging Temple. I got Greg Ward Jr. as my offensive player of the year. I'm going to go with Steven Taylor, the linebacker at Houston, as my defensive MVP, he led the conference with 10 sacks last year. That was ranked fifth nationally for linebackers. Started all 14 games for the Cougars last year. A really nice rock as an outside linebacker. My uh, coach of the year is going to be Matt Rule. People expect them to take a step back by winning the division. I think he, uh, he gets that nod. And my rookie of the year is uh, – I did a little bit of research. Digging around, I'll admit it's a reach, but – Temple needs someone to replace Tyler Matakavich. So I'm going to go with Chappelle Russell. He's a, a young linebacker for Temple. I'm taking a flyer on a, on a UT kid, no doubt. And oh, Josh, I agree with your defensive player of the year. I forgot defensive player of the year, but we're right on the same page. So. Nice. Uh, my first fired is it, – it's a tough one because I don't think that there will be any coach fired because the 
teams that are the worst have the youngest coaches. I mean, SMU's coach has only been there a year a or year. two. So, a year. Yeah. So I, I'm not sure anyone's going to get fired. But since we have to pick someone, I do really like what Coach said. If Cincinnati falls apart, that program might be looking for, for change. Maybe they'll think the marriage just ran stale with Tuberville. Uh, yeah, well, I also, I'll make it three, have Houston over USF in the championship game and Houston making the playoff after going 13-0. and 0. Uh, My Offensive Player of the Year um, is someone who I think will be a Heisman finalist, Greg Ward Jr. Uh, from uh, from Houston, and my Defensive Player of the Year mentioned earlier, UConn cornerback Jamar Summers, uh, you know, UConn's defense is going to be on the field a lot, so expect him to, you know, to get some stats. Um, but uh, and Coach of the Year, if they go thirteen and zero, I don't see how you can't pick Tom Herman. And Rookie of the Year is uh, Houston again, uh, big D tackle Ed Oliver, uh, one of the top recruits in the country last year. He should definitely be uh, getting a lot of playing time early and expect him to be a force in the middle of the Houston defense. First fired, I guess I'm going to have to go with Tuberville as well. Morris is the only other person I was thinking of, but um, I, I still think two years, you know, I don't think they're going to fire him after two years, even if it's Daryl Hazel. So, um, well, let's then move along to the Mountain West. Um, and, so in the Mountain West, uh, we've got you know a lot of really interesting, intriguing teams, um, some really good teams uh, on in both divisions. But let's start uh, in the West again. Um, and so, Josh, I'll let you take it away. All right. Well, West from last to first, I have Hawaii bringing up the rear. They have 10 offensive starters back, including four down linemen. So maybe there's hope that the Rainbow Warriors rediscover the offense they had with June Jones, but um, much like when I do Wyoming's preview, there are way too many defensive questions for me to buy a turnaround quite yet. At Fresno State, second to last, they were 121st in offense a year ago, averaging just 315 yards per game. As a result, they have a new offensive coordinator. The defense, 101st last year. As a result, new defensive coordinator, that's not a good recipe for success. Tim DeRuiter, had 20 victories in his first two years. The last two, they've gone just 9 and 17. He's never won a bowl game. Things are trending downward in the Green Valley. I might be previewing my first fire. You'll have to find out. I have UNLV right there in the middle of the pack. They have eight starters back, including a fantastic wide receiver, Devontae Boyd. That's eight offensive starters, I should say. Um, and Big Ten fans probably remember their offensive coordinator. as Barney Cotton. He was really good at Nebraska. He's a solid assistant. The Rebels' defense has to get better for this program to take the next step. But they have four very, very winnable home games and a trip out to terrible Hawaii. So if they can snag a win or two in those other seven games, we might see a bowl team in Vegas. I have Nevada uh, cracking the top three as one of the contenders. Coach is going to preview them. But whenever you have your top targets back, your quarterback and four linemen back, you have to be really, really excited about the offensive potential. That's why they're a contender. San Jose State, I have second. Perko, I know you are previewing them, but I love their receiving core. Really good quarterback in Kenny Potter. So um, this will be an interesting group. Believe it or not, they had the second best pass defense a year ago. So that'll come in handy in a league that has some pass-happy teams. A very legitimate contender. My champion is who I'm doing the big preview on, and that is the San Diego State Aztecs. All right. Well, 
take it over. I'll, I'll go in a snake fashion here. I'll start from the top and go, go down. I like the, the Aztecs to finish number one. You know, they just are more talented than everybody else in, in their division. So uh, that has to count for something. Uh, number two, San Jose State, nipping on their heels. They returned 16 starters from a team that uh, did did well last year, but they lose Tyler Irvin, who was number two nationally in all-purpose yards per season. They've recruited, they've recruited well, and they're slowly building a Mountain West contender. So watch out for San Jose State. Uh, they're going to be in contention down the stretch. Nevada, a team that I'm going to get into here in just a minute, um, they all they have all but two returning offensive starters, and their entire secondary is returning. Uh, to give you the quick preview um, before I get into the in-depth preview, so I like the Wolfpack there. Um, they're going to surprise a few folks, and, and maybe even the Notre Dame Fighting Irish when they play. Uh, then I have the Running Rebels. Uh, I, I like what they have. I like what uh, Tony Sanchez is doing. He comes into his second year. Uh, he's going to get them into respectability. He was always uh, he was always coaching a college team at Bishop Norman anyway, so he knows how to build talent. Um, and they've got an receiving combo in Devontae Burt and Kendall Keys. Then Fresno State, uh, they have a mess at the quarterback position. They're still looking for somebody to replace Derek Carr. They've gone through four quarterbacks, so that's not good news. But Tim DeRoyter is their good news, the head coach. Um, so he's uh, as long as he's at the helm, I don't think they're going to they're going to spiral too far out of control. Uh, then Hawaii, they're still on a on a long uphill climb. Uh, maybe they're getting there, but it's certainly not going to be this year. They round out my Mountain West West Division. And I'm not stuttering. All right. Well, uh, I will go. Uh, I guess I'll take the snake from there and go bottom up. Hawaii definitely at the bottom. I don't know if people realize how terrible Norm Chow was uh, at while he was at Hawaii. He never won more than four games in a single year. Cupboard is nice and bare there for uh, Nick Rolovich. Um, after that, in fifth place, I'm taking Fresno State. Um, you know, they are, you know, I, I think that, you know, while – DeRoyter has, you know, he has a winning record over four years, but last year's season was did not uh, put a lot of faith uh, in the in the hands of the Bulldogs fans. But they definitely have um, a uh, you know a, a quarterback battle on their hands. They started four different quarterbacks a year ago, and it's still going to be you know I think tough to choose between all the different options they have because they really don't know much about any of them. Uh, then following that, I've got UNLV. Josh talked about the Rebs a little bit more a couple minutes ago, but um, Tony Sanchez is now in his second season after coming off of being the uh, coach at uh, local powerhouse high school, Bishop Gorman. But uh, they still need uh, more talent on this roster in order to compete with some of the big boys in the division. Uh, and that would start with Nevada. Uh, Nevada is um, a team that I think has a really, really high ceiling here. They've got a, a lot of returning talent, um, uh, especially James Butler at running back and quarterback Tyler Stewart. So, um, I think that San Jose State, I'm going to take a look at much more in depth here in a minute, but they have a lot of really good things going for them. And head and shoulders above the rest, though, in the division is Rocky Long's uh, San Diego State Aztecs. And uh, with that, Josh, why don't you tell us why they are just so good? Well, whenever I do my notes, I do little plus things and little minus things. And very rarely do I have a team with no negatives. And San Diego State's one of them. I have five pluses that I want to highlight. First is Donnell Pumphrey is a Heisman caliber running back. He's outstanding. 
but running backs can't do it alone, and he won't. He's got three offensive linemen starters back to create those holes. Their defense returns eight starters. That was fifth in the nation, seventh against the run, and seventh in scoring. That's insane. Nose tackle Alex Bennett helps anchor the unusual 3-3-5 look the Aztecs like to run. And obviously, if you're going to have five in the secondary, you're going to have some talent out there, and they do. DeMonte Caze is one of the best corners in the entire, entire nation. Um, look at their schedule. The Aztecs really only have three games that give me a pause. And the first one is an interesting game against Cal. That's a team of obviously Pac-12 talent on paper. They also have a big-time transfer at quarterback to replace Jared Goff. But they're still kind of an unproven team. Then moving into league play, they have fellow division contenders, San Jose State, and a crossover game with a really good Colorado State team we'll talk about in a minute. But the exciting thing for the fans, all three of those games are in San Diego. So if they hold home serve, they'll probably win the division again. And if they can find some way to win on the road, we might actually see two undefeated teams in the title game because when I talk about Boise State, Boise State's really good also. So Mountain West has some real powers, and San Diego State last year was not a fluke. This team has it rolling. Start over with Nevada, the birthplace of the pistol offense. Um, They bring back 16 starters. Uh, they bring back nine on the offensive side of the ball. They have a veteran offensive line and a, and a, a rushing attack that ranked 25th nationally um, in the country. Uh, they, uh, where my concern is on the offensive side of the ball is they have to find some semblance of a passing game. They were 113th nationally uh, in the passing game, which took their rankings, I think, to 86th overall. Uh, if I'm reading my handwriting correctly, and uh, you know they, they've got to figure out an. Uh, an answer there, but they have their quarterback coming back. Uh, he's hopefully worked out some kicks in the spring. They have running back James Butler coming back. Uh, Tyler Stewart is the quarterback I just mentioned uh, who's returning. So it's going to be good on the offensive side of the ball. I think they're going to compete, but they're not going to necessarily um, – I don't think they're going to overtake anybody uh, above them with San Jose State and San Diego State, but they're going to push them nonetheless and make this thing a race. Defensively, their entire secondary comes back, which is good because they got some holes to fill in the front seven. So um, I, I think third place in the division is a great place for Nevada. I think they go to a formidable bowl game uh, for uh, for the Mountain West. The team that I'm interested in in the West Division is the San Jose State uh, Spartans. And they are a team that brings back a lot of talent on offense. Al Borges definitely has some weapons to work with. But they needed a new defensive coordinator after last year's uh, unit ranked 102nd and 119th over the last two years in total defense. It's definitely not a place that you want to be. But they do have a couple really good linebackers. And so they brought in Ron English, um, who was not the best head coach at uh, Eastern Michigan, but was a very successful defensive coordinator at both uh, Michigan and Louisville during the mid-2000s. So... I think that they have a couple spots that, uh, you know, on defense where they're obviously going to be inexperienced. And, but I think that the offense will definitely be able to keep them in almost all their games. First of all, they're returning four of their five starters on the line. And uh, they've also got 
um, some really good pass catchers like Josh mentioned coming back. And those are led by not a wide receiver, but tight end Billy Freeman, who is a really outstanding target for quarterback Kenny Potter. Uh, Potter was a, um, was a Juco transfer in his first year last year. Um, he has one more year of eligibility left and, you know, he's pretty much a pocket passer, but when, when he decides to take off, he does really well. He had five rushes of more than 30 yards last year. So if, you know, if defenses sleep on him, he's not afraid to take off and get a couple yards with his feet. Uh, they've got uh, Tyler Winston and Tim Crawley coming back at wide receiver. Um, as well as Justin Holmes. So three uh, targets with a lot of experience out there for uh, Potter to pitch it around the yard too. So this is going to be a, a, a sort of, I think, a high-powered offense that should be able to cover up for some of the holes that its defense will have. But um, I think that they can definitely push uh, San Diego State. I don't think they'll beat them, but they, I think they will definitely be able to push San Jose State this year out in the division. All right. Uh, well, then, yeah, let's have, head over to the Mountain Division from there. And so, Josh, um, how are you? How are you forecasting it there in the Rockies? All righty. Well, I'll go worst to first again. Um, my worst team is Wyoming. They have a good offensive line and a good running back returning, and Brian Hill. So, I think the Cowboys can pack a little bit more punch than they did a year ago. But my goodness, the, the defense that this team in Hawaii have is just terrible. If you're in a pick em league or whatever where there's a spread with these teams, just pick the over because Hawaii and Wyoming ain't stopping anyone. Uh, I have Utah State getting second to last. You have to love the 10 starters that are back, but uh, Kent Myers stepped in for injured Chucky Keaton and has some experience, but wasn't all that spectacular. So there's a couple concerns on offense. And their defense was 17th best last year, but they replaced six of their nasty front seven starters. That's a tall order for any program. So I expect that defense to slide. And as a result, Utah State slides a little bit. My uh, middle-of-the-pack team is the New Mexico Lobos. I kind of liked them a year ago. They had a really fun rushing attack, and it helped with the electric quarterback, Lamar Jordan. Unfortunately, the theme of this division is a shaky defense. They also lack a true uh, passing threat. So I think that'll prevent Bob Davies' team from really challenging for the division. But they should make a second straight bowl game. Uh, Air Force, I have crack in the top three. They're a serious contender, like always, with Troy Calhoun. In fact, they won the division a year ago. I'm not sure people remember that. because Boise State gets so many headlines. But uh, I know Coach is doing a lot more about this team. But when you have your bunch of your running backs back and, and Nate Romney as the quarterback and you run that that uh, option attack they do, you, you really have to like their chances. Uh, my second place team is who the professor is covering. That's Colorado State. Um, they have a really stacked linebacking core, and they're switching to the 3-4, which will let their biggest defensive strength really one, run wild this year. You have to like that. And I'll be previewing my pick for division champion, and that is the Boise State Broncos. All right. Well, I'm going to go in reverse snake order. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to start with Boise State. I mean, you know, you bring in uh, Brett Rippon, who's the league's best quarterback. Kids only a sophomore, so it can only get better. Um, they've always they've always had a potent offensive attack, um, and there's no reason for that to change this year. I like them as my Mountain West Mountain Division. Uh, my number two team is going to be Air Force, which I'm going to talk about here in just a minute. 
they finally also have a rare NFL prospect at strong safety. That's uh, Weston Steelhammer, uh, also one of the coolest fans in the uh, in the country. So uh, I'm going to talk about that um, as well as the bevy of running backs and Nate Romine uh, that they have coming back. Then I have Colorado State coming in third. Uh, this is the last year in Hughes Stadium. Uh, they're building a new on-campus stadium in uh, at in uh, Fort Collins, Colorado. So uh, the, the Fighting Bobos are looking forward to moving into a new home there. Uh, Wyoming, I'm going to have as my fourth best team. I, I really like uh, what they have with a uh, with a. They had uh, threw a lot of young guys at the fire last year. Uh, those guys went through some uh, some quick growth, and, and so they're they're rapidly improving. So. They're going to be a team to watch out for as a dark horse contender. Uh, then I like New Mexico. The Lobos are getting better. The only reason I have them at fifth is because everybody else is getting better and nobody is getting worse. Um, so New Mexico State's going to be kind of stuck in that uh, no man's land in the division, but I think they will have a very, uh, very nice season. And then, of course, last in the division, Utah State. I think they're. Uh, I think everything is uh, pointing towards a rebuild. You, you say 10 returning starters. Um, so offensively, it's not going to be as bad of a rebuild. But, um, you know, defensively, they, they've got a lot of holes to fill. And, uh, it's going to be shaky at best uh, defensively. And that's going to be – that's going to spell out bad news in this division, especially with Boise State, Air Force, and Colorado State, the offenses that, that they are going to produce. So that's my that's my division, my mountain division. Matt, All how right. does it shake out for you, buddy? Well, uh, at the bottom, coach, you have a, you have a lot more uh, hope when it comes to Wyoming Cowboys than I do. Um, they were rough last year. They, they were two and ten. You know, not exactly the greatest. They're expecting the, uh, to take another step forward after going four and eight in Craig Bowles' first year. They did not do so last year. Um, don't see them improving that much. The Lobos, number five. Um, I was looking around on their coaching staff. Kevin Cosgrove is their defensive coordinator, and I didn't even know he was still in football. So that tells you, uh, you know, how much I think of Bob Davies' staff. Uh, I think that they'll be, you know, a little bit competitive, but probably not exactly great on um, on the offensive side of the ball. Coming in at number four is the Utah State Aggies. Um, Matt Wells uh, is nine games over 503 years at the helm of Utah State, but uh, in they hit so and he has turned you know what used to be a pretty sorry team into a continuous winner. I don't think they'll be as good this year because uh, Chucky Keaton, who was there since the Clinton administration, is finally gone. But they will uh, have, still have a lot of playmakers on the offensive side of the ball. Number three. Is is uh, the Fighting Bobos, who I will discuss much more in depth here in just a minute. Number two, Air Force, uh, Troy Calhoun, another year, another, you know, great offensive rushing attack. And, you know, it doesn't really matter the names in the back of the jersey there because the system always works. And you know they're always going to be competitive. So, and number one, though, Boise State Broncos, uh, you know, they have not really fallen off very hard since Chris Peterson left. Um Last year was the first time in, um, you know, only the second time in the past decade that they did not win 10 games, but they're just going to be really good this year because, uh, like you guys mentioned, um, Rippon is back at quarterback, and he is uh, the best in the business in the conference. So, um, well, why don't we uh, go ahead, Josh? Why don't you start talking about those Broncos? 
Yeah, and you mentioned Brett Rippon. That's where I start also. Um, despite kind of an up-and-down season a year ago, you mentioned that they only won nine games, didn't get back to the title game, but uh, he led the 15th-ranked offense. They produced over 500 yards a game a year ago. He has a ton of weapons, um, including something that really every team wants, and that's a dangerous tight end, and they have one with Jake Rowe. They have an outstanding linebacking tandem with Tanner Vallejo and Ben Weaver. They returned from the 12th-ranked defense a year ago. They just they just struggled against good league teams, and you know nine wins is nothing to sneeze at, but they, they lost to the teams that they couldn't afford to lose to last year. And that's, that's really what bit them. Uh, their one negative this year is they need to figure out some defensive line players. Uh, it's some departures from graduation. And they also have to replace some really solid talent in the secondary. They should have the depth to get it done. This is a powerhouse program masquerading itself as a, power, as a group of five team. They're really that good. They always reload. They, they very seldom rebuild. So, I think they'll figure out both of those issues. And as a result, Boise has the chops to be special. If they can survive a trip to a Washington State team that all three of us really like, the Broncos could be able to run the table in the regular season. So um, it'll be interesting to see if either Boise or San Diego State can jump Houston as the group of five representative, maybe even jump Houston as a Cinderella team to the tournament. But – the Mountain West is loaded with some really good football teams, and Boise State and SDSU lead the way. All right. Well, you, you look at uh, you look at Air Force. Do I still have, have you guys? Oh yeah, you got us, coach. Oh yeah, look at Air Force. All right. Uh, Troy Calhoun is returning a team that uh, returns fourteen starters, um, and nine of those are on defense. One of them is their kicker, Father Ryan's own who was 10 of 11 in field goal attempts last year when they finally settled on him. Uh, I had him when I was at Father Ryan, uh, so I know him very well. Um, offensively, they only returned four starters, but those four starters are extremely important, and two of them are extremely explosive. You have, uh, you have two-time 1,000-yard rusher Jacoby Owens coming back at running back. He's a senior. You have Jalen Robinette coming back at wide receiver. He is a uh, two-time all-conference. He's number two leading receiver. Um, if you want to, if you want to count Nate Roaming as, as a returning starter, he he comes back from a week two uh, ACL tear, uh, missed the rest of the season uh, a year ago. So he's coming back to lead this offense. So um, it can only go up. And and, and and to be honest, with so much, uh, with so many starters to replace, uh, well, uh, normally I would feel trepidation as far as picking this team to have any success but since it, since the system is so great that uh, I think that you know you can just plug and play and, and, and just reload with this thing they return uh, both their guards uh, so they're going to have to find answers at tackles and center but they return both their guards Colin Sandor and Alex Norton defensively they have Weston Steelhammer he's a two-time All-Mountain West um, he's one of nine starters returning on that side of the ball he is an NFL talent um, he's got a knack for the football as it's in the air, so he will bolster that defense, especially in, from the secondary. And uh, I hope the Pittsburgh Steelers draft him because that would be a great fit. Um, but they have uh, 
you know, they've got 11 seniors in line to start, so they've got they've got a lot of veteran experience coming back. Even guys that not necessarily were starters, but they have uh, they have guys coming back that are all seniors. I think uh, I look at their defense, and it is 11 seniors. And uh, you look at their offense, and I think their whole starting 22. I think there's only, as I'm counting, there's only four juniors. The rest are seniors. Um, so no underclassmen are starting whatsoever. Um, on this Air Force team. So they're very extremely experienced. And uh, I really like the direction that this team is, is heading. Um, they're going to have, if they're going to compete with Boise State, they're, they're, they're going to have to, on November 26th, they're going to have to um, be physical with them. They're going to have to play games with them. is going to have to have a good game in that secondary. And they're just going to have to uh, control the ball. And I think they can with, uh, Romine, if he stays healthy, and Jacoby Owens um, at that running back position. Um, so if you look at their schedule, um, I really like what they have. Uh, they start the season with Abilene Christian. I think that's a high school. I'm not real sure. Uh, then they go. Then they host Georgia State. They're at Utah State. They're, they host Navy, uh, which is good news for them. Uh, Air Force is always a tough place to play for the commander-in-chief. Uh, trophy, so um, they always give Navy fits at home. Uh, then they are at Wyoming, home against New Mexico and Hawaii, at Arizona State, at Army, and then they are home against Colorado State, at San Jose State, and home against Boise State. So the last two weeks of the season will be uh, the linchpin as far as, or be, be the measuring stick as far as how uh, well they're going to do. They're going to make any you got to get through that over gauntlet of All right. Well, you know, Coach, the, I've made uh, no attempt to hide my love for Colorado State. They are a team that has always been near and dear to my heart as the – And you shouldn't. It's Mike Bobo. Well, we'll get there. But they are, they are my greatest NCAA college football college dynasty on the PlayStation. Uh, yes. PlayStation 2, to be precise, uh, Colorado State won seven consecutive national titles, um, including a, a four-year consecutive Heisman winner, because that's how I roll. But um, anyway, second year under Mike Bobo, and they have lost uh, amazing receiver Rashard Higgins. But the way I see it, it's no Higgins, no problem this year, because Coach, as you well know, Bobo is a much more balanced kind of guy. He has a really nice quarterback in Nick Stevens this year. He's also got a graduate transfer from Georgia, uh, Fatone Bauta. Am I pronouncing that right, Coach? I guess we, I guess we lost the coach there. But uh, Fatone Bauta, a grad transfer from uh, Georgia, will be his backup. They have uh, four starters back on the offensive line. And you, got, you got me back, Matt. I'm sorry. That's okay. Do you have uh, me back? Okay, sorry. I, I, uh, okay, I'm just going to start from where I was. Um, so, okay, where was it? Yeah, so the Rams have four starters back on the offensive line, uh, including, uh, uh, you know, they're all, including both tackles, and they've got a couple good running backs as well. Offense is going to be a lot more balanced this year. They're not just going to chuck it out to Higgins. They're going to uh, move it around, uh, you know, to guys both, um, you know, wide receivers, tight ends, and running backs. And But the real story here is what is happening on defense because they lost their defensive coordinator, Tyson Summers, to become the head coach at Georgia Southern, and also their entire defensive line. 
So Josh mentioned earlier the linebackers, and linebackers are mighty good. And that is, uh, you know, I think the big reason is that they're so good is that they are coached by Martin English, who moves from his role as linebackers coach up into the vacant defensive coordinator position. This is a guy who has spent his entire coaching career in Colorado and Wyoming, first at uh, Northern Colorado for 16 years, followed by an eight-year stint at Wyoming, and then before coming over to Colorado State to be the linebackers coach in 2011. And everywhere he's gone, he's coached really good linebacker units. So uh, I think that they're going to you know, really play to their strengths this year, moving into that 3-4. But they're going to need to find some warm bodies on the defensive line to just plug up some of the blockers so that their, uh, their linebackers can scrape and get to the ball. Um, their secondary is – uh, you know, a little questionable as well. They've got a converted receiver and a couple of JUCOs uh, playing corner this year and, you know, a lot of inexperience on that side of the ball outside of the linebackers. But it's still going to be a lot of fun uh, in Colorado State. And uh, the Fighting Bobos always give you a good game, always uh, put up a strong, um, strong effort. So I'm always, you know, rooting for them. And I picked them to finish third, but I can definitely see them pushing up for second as well. So, uh, Josh, there's one. Well, there's one thing I wanted to throw in about Colorado State. I noticed this um, when I did Minnesota's preview for the blog, um, but they have a really, really underrated kicker. Uh, he was a redshirt freshman a year ago. I think as his career goes, we might see him be able to be grows a finalist, maybe even a winner. In his first year as the kicker, he went 16 to 22 on field goals, but didn't attempt any from 1 to 19 yards. He was 9 of 10 from the 20 to 29, 5 of 6 from 30 to 39, and drilled two that were beyond 40 yards. Uh, he's got a pretty strong leg, gets to kick an altitude. But for extra points, 43 of 44, that's one way to make a debut season as a special team. Uh, and don't forget the other part of their special teams. Uh, their punter, Hayden Hunt, was a Ray Guy finalist last year. And he's back. He, you know, thin air, average 46 yards a kick. He can definitely, uh, he, he can definitely put some leg into it. Um, but he's got some pretty good accuracy, too. Um, he put 24 of his kicks inside the 20. Um, so, yeah, special teams will definitely be a strength of uh, the squad this year, but he's still worried about the defense. And I think that that's what's going to prevent him from being uh, elite in the conference. But, uh, so, Josh, you want to give us a couple superlatives for the Mountain West? Yeah, my, uh, my title game is Boise State and San Diego State, and I've got a real dilemma on my hands. My, my heart says SDSU. I'm a big believer in defense-winning championships. Love Danelle Pumphrey. But my head sort of says Boise State. They just have so many weapons back. So I'm really, really torn on that one. I'll be honest. I'll be rooting for the Aztecs. I got family in the San Diego area, so I'm probably a little biased. But I left that thing blank on our master spreadsheet, and I'm still kind of waffling. I'm going to pull a Wilbon and push on my Mountain West champion. My offensive player of the year. Yep. Feel free to boo me. No, uh, my offensive player of the year. Yeah, let it rain. Do some more. <laughs> yes, perfect. All right, my offensive player of the year is Pumphrey, the running back for San Diego State. My defensive player of the year is I really like Tanner Vallejo at Boise State, their linebacker. Uh, my coach of the year, I kind of have it as a two-person race. I think that Rocky Long, if they return and win another title, you'd have to give it to a guy who has back-to-back titles, but – I think Ron Carragher at San Jose State could really throw a monkey wrench into that. 
if the if the Spartans win seven, eight, nine games, which they're certainly capable of. My rookie of the year, I could not find any freshman that I love to win this award, so I went with a newcomer of the year. And that's Johnny Stanton, the quarterback at UNLV. Looks like he'll uh, he'll get some reps as a starter. They're kind of they've listed two players right now, but Stanton's is a transfer from Nebraska, and when he was being recruited, was a four-star kid. So a potentially nice piece for the Rebs to have. My first fired is Tim DeRuiter from Fresno. All right. Well, here's my superlatives. I think offensive player of the year. I think my offensive and defensive player of the years, uh, surprise, surprise, are going to come from the team that I just previewed. I think uh, Jacoby Owens is going to have a huge season for the Falcons as they try to try to push Boise State for that division title. Um, I think that the defensive player of the year is going to be Weston Steelhammer. I think he's going to get a lot of work in that secondary, and I think he's going to lead the league in interceptions. Um, and I think he's going to edge out DeMonte Kazee, uh, Kazee, um at San Diego State for that defensive player of the year um, honor. Newcomer of the year, uh, like Josh, I'm going to go with Johnny Stanton. Couldn't really find a freshman that I could just say, man, he's going to take this league over. Um, so I'm going to go Johnny Stanton, quarterback, UNLV. I think Sanchez uh, knows if he gets a quarterback that he loves in his system, he's going to go with it. And Johnny Stanton is going to be that guy that's going to put UNLV back in the uh, thick of things in the conference. So uh, coach of the year, I think it's going to be Ron Carragher. I think he's going to have a tremendous season. I think he's going to finish just shy of San Diego State, um, who – actually is going to be my Mountain West champion. Uh, They're going to edge out Boise State. I think uh, when you look at two teams that are very similar talent-wise, I think the team with the better defense in December is going to come out ahead in that conference championship game. So I like San Diego State to win the title on defense. And then my first coach fired. Um, I'm going to have to go with Tim DeRoyter. He's been there the longest, and they seem to be going backwards year in and year out. I don't think it's going to be in Hawaii because they just they just made a change. And every other coach is fairly young in a new situation. So, um, and they're either getting better or they're just too too young right now to be uh, to truly be fired. I think if anybody leaves again, like in the American, it's going to be voluntarily, except for Tim DeRoyer. I think he. Uh, I think if they have the type of season, I think they're going to have. Um, they're going to just say, "Hey, we hey, Coach DeRoyer, we need to uh, go in a different direction." All right. Well, uh, I'm going to agree with you guys both on DeRoyter as well. Um, he's, he, I, I think he's, uh, he didn't make our coaches on the hot list, but I, uh, on the hot seat, I should say, but he's definitely on thin ice, uh, there at Fresno. My, uh, my champ is going to be an undefeated San Diego State team, um, and which means Rocky Long will be the of the year, and, uh, Donnell Pumphrey will be the offensive player of the year and making a push for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Um, I'm splitting the difference. I took Josh's offensive player of the year. I'm taking coach's defensive player of the year, Weston Steele hammer he does everything for air force and i think that will be reflected in the voting and he just has a great name so why wouldn't you vote for him but my uh, my newcomer of the year i'm actually going with uh, chance and virgil the quarterback at fresno state uh there's no one better than him on that squad and i think he'll get thrown to the fire and that DeRoyter was kind of gonna kind of have to sort of ride or die with him and even if they do flop i still think that he's gonna put up some some big numbers so um, that is going to finish it off for the Mountain West. Any final thoughts? I just have one. Uh, oh, go ahead, Coach. 
Oh, I was just going to say uh, I'm, I'm going to enjoy watching Fatone Bauda and the and the Fighting Bobos in Colorado State this year. I'll be rooting for them and and Air Force to to uh, to win the conference, but you know they don't they don't uh, they're not as talented as San Diego State. But you know I, I'm really excited for Mountain West football. I think it's going to be a fun season. I think it's going to be a fun season all around in college football. I think uh, probably my least favorite conference is the Big Twelve, actually. So. Um, but uh, I'm gonna, uh, you know, I'm gonna try to stay up late and watch a few Mountain West games this year. Something that I haven't done in a while. Josh, yeah, my thought is actually Mountain West adjacent. Um, so everyone knows I love the Olympics, and the whole Ryan Lochte thing was just so annoying. And you know, people say like, "Oh, he's just a kid," blah blah blah. He's 32. He should grow up. But that made me realize we don't really applaud people when they do mature. It's sort of like, oh, once you're mature, we don't need to recognize the fact that you're not the kid you used to be. I'm going to change that. I'm going to applaud someone who's definitely matured, just signed a big contract with the Cardinals, so it's Mountain West adjacent. That's the honey badger, Tyron Matthew. You know, when he got dismissed by LSU, I think a lot of people were thinking that this could be a, a really wasted potential situation, but He's really matured as a pro. He earned that contract, and good for him. All right. All right. Yeah, man. Well, that will do it for uh, our penultimate season preview. Uh, make sure you check back with us next time. We'll go through the final three group of five conferences uh, with the Sun Belt, MAC, and CUSA. And uh, we'll also have we'll also have a couple of predictions for uh, our all illegal motion. Uh, preseason team and uh, the all name team as well as a top 25 and maybe some individual awards. So we've still got a lot of uh, content left to come out before the season starts, as well as some uh, previews for week one games next Thursday. So uh, make sure you are tuning in and uh, catching us on your podcast feed. So on behalf of Josh Cook in Chicago, Illinois, on behalf of the coach, Corey Burton, somewhere in the Tennessee wilderness, uh, this is Professor Matt Perkins saying so long and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Oh, that's all, folks. Thanks for listening to the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. To support our show, make sure you check out our page on Patreon. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Illegal underscore Motion, and you can email the show at IllegalMotionPodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Save big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands, including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.